Welcome to Crossing the Enterprise Chasm, a podcast about software startups and their journey moving up market to serving enterprise customers. I'm your host, Michael Greenwich. I'm the founder of WorkOS, which is a platform that helps developers quickly ship common enterprise features like single sign-off. On this podcast, you'll hear directly from founders, product leaders, and early stage operators who have navigated building great products for enterprise customers. In every episode, you'll find strategies, tactics, and real world advice for ways to make your app enterprise ready and take your business to the next level. Today, I'm joined by Eric Gleiman, the CEO and co-founder of Ramp. For those of you unfamiliar, Ramp is a corporate card and finance automation platform that's designed to help you spend less. In August of this year, Ramp raised $300 million in Series C financing at a $3.9 billion valuation. They have over 2,000 businesses using Ramp as their primary card. And Ramp is one of the fastest growing companies today. They've seen their transaction volume increase over 1,000% year over year. I'm super excited to chat with Eric about how Ramp is moving up market and crossing the enterprise chasm. Eric, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So let's just jump in. Give us a quick update on Ramp. Where's the business today? Where's the team at? What's your current focus? For sure. So today, Ramp is about two and a half years old. We're serving in the thousands of customers and processing well into the nine figures per month in card transaction volume. And we're working to scale. We started as a pure play corporate card, expanded into expense management, reimbursements, bill payments, accounting automation, and much more. And really where we're trying to get to for customers is to really automate all the tedious work that goes into closing their books at the end of every month and identify waste so we can cut it out. And so for the average company, we speed up their month and close by about five days per month. We also help the average company spend 3.3% less than they would have otherwise. And our current focus is in many ways, similar from the start of the business, our purpose is to help companies save time and save money so they can better achieve their own purpose. But I think that as we grow and get more and more into the thousands of businesses, we're seeing businesses of all shapes and sizes, sales motions, product motions, and the like, and working to expand and cover more surface area. Today, you describe Ramp as a finance automation platform with all these different components that tie together. I'm curious if you can break that apart and talk more about it and maybe sort of where you got started. I think the corporate card was kind of the beginnings of a lot of this and how it grew into this wider platform. Definitely. Yeah. So today we are the fastest growing corporate card in the US. And some of that comes down to that's been our core product. That's where the motion is most developed. And we're still growing at rapid rates. And we tend to double in size just about every three to four months to give you a sense of volume on that. But as we started serving customers, it was very clear early on, the need and challenge wasn't just the card. It was people didn't turn their receipts on time. You needed expense management software. And so we followed that. And so the next product that came along was integrated expense management. Now over 90% of our customers have fully replaced software like Concur, Expensify, and the like. Then as we got deeper there, customers would say, you know, sometimes you've got employees who don't use the card and need reimbursements. And so we built that. Next, people said, could you do bill.com too? We'd love it if we had this automated close on the ACH wires and the like. So we went there. And I think a lot of the roadmap, like many B2B companies, has sort of been born out of serving customers, seeing the problems and challenges they have, and seeing if we can help out. I think that adoption across each product is very, very deep across cards and expense management. We're much earlier in certain products, even in beta phases, that expand out of it. 
it sounds like Ramp is just getting pulled into all these different other businesses. <laughs> it's just kind of, you know, by that energy from the customer base. It's strange. I know we say we're the car that wants people to spend less, but it's so different. I mean, most of our competitors, incumbent financial institutions, some of them have been around since the 1800s, um, actually multiple, <laughs> the largest, literally. They are not focused on helping companies save time and money. And it's strange, but it's such a different focus. And we have a different core foundational mission like that. And you say to customers, I'm actually aligned with you. It turns out they'll tell you their problems. <laughs> they'll tell you where waste is happening. And it's been a great opportunity to one to serve that, but we're not trying to come up with ideas in thin air. It's really a prioritization exercise each and every day. I know you say that you're helping companies spend less, but clearly companies are spending more and more as they're growing using Ramp. And you have a huge customer base of companies that start off small and continue to grow. I think this was the early days of Ramp selling to startups and fast-growing tech companies. Talk through how those companies have grown and expanded and how their needs have changed and how you think about Ramp moving up market into bigger and bigger businesses. Definitely. I think the tech press and the like would frame Ramp as a card for startups. But our initial focus was actually on what we would describe as mid-market companies, where we felt there was a hole in the market. Suddenly, when you talk to companies and they got past 15, 20 people, the needs shifted. People were no longer looking for, you know, bribe me, I'm not, not paying enough. I would love points, rewards, lounge access, and the like, things that you might see in a consumer card. But actually, people would say, the business is working. It's just really complex to run it. Like I would like something that's more stable. I know there's waste and that enterprise sales teams are charging me at my willingness to pay. Help me identify that. Help me spend less. Help me spend less time. And so I think even from the early days, a lot of our ethos was more product-led in that we viewed Ramp not just as about offering a card that was really secondary, but about really filling in all the gaps that make running a company very hard. And I think we've benefited from one, as it's been very easy and intuitive to use. We've been able to expand horizontally in the product set and customers have pulled us when they really know Ramp is a tool that saves them time and money. But two, as they've grown, it's been very helpful for that dollar retention, our ability to expand and grow in a business as well. I know Ramp's really easy to sign up for. Like anyone can just go and go to your website and sign up, sign up today and just get started. How important is your sales team? When did you start building sales as a motion? And how did you think about the role of the sales team early on with kind of this product-led motion as well? It was super important. My last company was in the consumer space. And so I didn't know anything about sales when I got into it. And I've definitely had to bang my head against the wall at times, but it's been very valuable. Now it's one of the core parts of the team. So first, just some things that weren't intuitive to me that were helpful. So one, as opposed to general SaaS motions, where often it's about getting a customer on the phone, excited, ready to buy, you sell, and then you have seats, and maybe there's a bit of a land and expand, but really the revenue recognition comes from really the contracting phase. Ramp is very much usage-based, where a customer could have a credit card, but if they never use it, it doesn't matter. You know, Ramp is fully free. And I think that what we underestimated and what was very important was in our business, the importance of not just measurement along some of the self-serve portion of it, but really customer success and account management. If a company wasn't set up well and right, if people didn't issue cards out, if it wasn't on a few core places early, if it wasn't linked to accounting software, if people hadn't completed, texted in their first expense receipt within a certain period of time, we could start to see the signals that this would not be a company that would ramp and rev. And above a certain size, 
it almost was impossible for us to really grow and scale. And so very early on, we figured out that we would need not just people to kind of, you know, go and get people on the phone and to sell, but account managers and customer success from very, very, very early. And today that's been borne out in the structure where it's not just folks who are maybe traditional sales development, you know, account executive kind of function, but account management and success as well. I have a really specific tactical question about that. So typically sales reps are comped based on the quota of deal they close, right? You close a $20,000 deal or $50,000 deal and that goes into your quota. With a business like this, with this expansion, and if they don't use it, you don't really make any money. That's a challenge to figure out how to comp those people in sales. And also the folks on customer success are kind of helping with the expansion or doing the account management. How do you navigate that? How did you set that up to kind of pull in sales, but for these kind of seeds you're planting, you need to water them for quite a while before you can actually harvest? Completely. We didn't know anything about sales at the start. And so when we were calling people up, we'd call SaaS leaders and they'd have these answers. I'm like, that doesn't feel quite relevant. And it turned out there was a small class and a growing class of SaaS-like, fintech-like businesses that were struggling with this question. And I think there's a few people who've done great at this. I think Twilio is an example of it where you start using it, but then maybe you become Uber and you're sending out millions of phone notifications daily. And they had started to kind of hone on this model that went something like the following. So the SD function, probably similar to what you would anticipate of, you know, qualified meetings booked, good proxy. Account executives, you know, whereas before it could be what's the value of the contract actually closed, actually funded. For us, you know, we wanted to tie it to the core way that the business monetizes, which to date has primarily been spent. Every time a card is swiped, a certain amount of revenue comes back to us. And very quickly, we started to get better and better at estimating the amount of spend that a customer would have. And so what we've moved to is on an estimate of spend. And we want to make sure, one, there's some recognition right away. And so let's say a customer is closed. It might take three months for someone, let's say, to ramp and to get to that level of spend, no pun intended. A portion of comp can get paid out right away. And the rest, we actually measure later out and you can make an adjustment later on. And so, you know, you get effectively the hit when you bring people in, but there is some truth and alignment of it. And last for account managers and success, there's a few, you know, we're looking to even break some of this up further, but there's one, the onboarding phase. Can you get to an estimated level with a certain period of time? And then later too, as customers have been around for, you know, a year plus, can you identify unmet needs, grow and all that? And so we're still very candidly figuring all this out, but it's been an interesting one. And I think even a lot of the general frameworks in SaaS we found didn't quite good in, in framework, but didn't quite apply in the reality for us. I've heard this a lot, actually, with even other guests in this podcast, where how many people build their sales organization, kind of starting in reverse, starting with success and customer support, because that expansion effect ends up becoming kind of dominant factor of the revenue. I think so. And even too, I mean, early on, our first head of sales figure had worked in effectively customer success for years. And if you look at the early growth and the revenue ramp here, it was strong, but it was not truly super head turning for most of the, call it first six months out in the world. And part of that, I actually think it was very, very good. The instinct there was spend a lot of time with customers, understand the problems that they're having, understand the usage. It almost was an extended arm of product. And so we took extensive call notes. 
we prioritized based on the issues that that customers had. And it allowed us to one, really build in this product-led motion of, to sales early on. Later, we identified something that was a big miss. It wasn't just the card, it was the card and expense management, a few other things that we needed to build. And once that was there, it set off an extremely fast pace of growth. And so I actually think historically, folks in customer success and account management have been really underappreciated. It's not about, hey, kind of go, you know, listen, make people feel important and send them stuff. It's like actually deeply listen to your customers so you can work with product engineering to build stuff out. And so later, it's much easier to sell. It's really a listening first thing. And I think it's going to get more and more common. I do. I totally agree with that. I mean, I think if you look at these usage-based platforms, the revenue that you're recognizing, you're charging in like year five, sometimes is more revenue in year five than year one through four combined, this ramp up. And so who are the people responsible for that? Oftentimes the customer success team and the support team. I want to also ask about product features. So as you were moving up market, there's a lot of these different product verticals that you grew into. What came back maybe from the sales team or the product team specifically for those maybe mid-market kind of proto-enterprise or enterprise customers that were looking at using Ramp, but maybe it was missing something that they needed to actually deploy it. Totally. I learned what stakeholders really meant. Where you say, this looks great, but from an infosec and from a compliance perspective, we need to have single sign-on. This looks awesome, but does it link to our accounting system? The whole company runs on Slack. Can I approve cards in Slack? Um, you know, We want to issue stipends out, but you know, we want to have roles that are based on Someone in sales, are they in product? Are they traveling a certain amount? Can you integrate with our HRIS systems? And it turned out that actually, at least in our product world, was something that one, our competitors, the old guard financial institutions, American Express chases the world, never did. Some of the new players really emphasized around spend more money, earn more points, didn't really listen to what were the problems. And so for us, a lot of our success was great. Like, let's understand really what are the common motions in some of the stakeholders that you'll start to see as companies go from 50 to 100 to 200 to 500. It actually tends to be a lot more similar than different for companies that are in this category. And that actually was a huge unlock itself because it meant that during the checklist phase and also from a slickness and ease of use of products, we could stand apart. Do you have a second enterprise roadmap? How do you approach these enterprise features or Think about on the team. Is it something you give everyone? Yeah. How have you approached that as a you know nimble, fast-moving product organization? We really prioritize speed of delivery into speed as an organization. And so some of this is very quite selfish from a developer perspective. Like people don't want to use like a SOAP API or like APIs that are just like really awful XML things to go back and forth. And so what's great, I think, about serving mid-market proto enterprises often they're using more modern tools. And so if there's an API of APIs, like a work OS, or others that can effectively, you know, go from one to many, I think that that's a huge point of speed and leverage to go into for that. I think that often for companies that are in cohorts within similar five years, they tend to use similar tools. And so if you're selling and really define, this is my core customer, this is not any define, you can start to concentrate and build features where you can serve and grow. And then later as now, our largest deployment are multi-thousand card deployments out in organizations. There are some, you know, as directly or enterprise-like customers that were built in an era where the tools are still modern enough and maybe they're really forward-leaning on this S-curve where actually they're looking not for a vendor, but for a partner. We build a spec, they'll build the spec, 
and you can sort of align in a joint roadmap, we'll work with folks like that. But today, the folks that we've deprioritized are, you know, let's say folks who are deep in SAP, S4, Active Directory, everything land, where it's super hyper custom. A lot of what you're doing is really building bespoke solutions that aren't going to go and scale. And so we really try to trade off and measure not just what's the product need, what's the revenue opportunity, how extensible is this, and are we becoming you know, a service shop or is this integrations that will help us grow in motions? And if we find that really the area under the curve is biggest, where it's a lot of tools, it has some marketability, serves some customers now, we can point to a large volume of customers underneath it. And frankly, it's simpler to develop. We look for that. We think that's where leverage is. I hear this a lot from folks that are going up market is that you need that kind of equation to balance out where the energy you're going to put into it, the time you're going to spend developing it. If it's some super esoteric old SAP protocol, you have to have a bunch of customers that need that or a bunch of pipeline blocked for it. Otherwise, it's a one-off and it's not really going to make sense. I think even SSO was like that years ago. Now it's more common all over the place. Definitely. And we're a little bit quirky too, and that ramp is free. And if someone is going and ask you to do what might be hundreds of thousands of dollars of customs integrations work, it's like, all right, well, we don't really have the right mechanism to accommodate that. And so some of this too is function, you know, design decisions from years ago playing out. And of course you can revisit, but for a lot of it too, it's a function of what is the team set up to deliver? Where does it make sense from a monetization perspective? If you don't have the right model for it, be careful. You mentioned speed being really important to ramp. And I know you guys count it day by day. You really think about what are you shipping today? I've seen you know some of your posts. Talk about why speed is important, why it's important and how you've institutionalized that into the culture of the company. Yeah, it is day 935 today. So I love that you asked that. And originally, some of this was a quirk. And we did this in part, we were getting ready for a board meeting. And we were about to you know, ship our first cards out. And so some of this was self-consciousness of like, okay, we're just day on this. And then we really liked it and it stuck. And part of what we found is one, when you counted the days, you had this equivalent period that you could go and measure between every 60 days, every 90 days, what was shipped then, what was shipped now, is our velocity increasing? And I think whether it's from, you know, an overall company delivery perspective, or even, you know, I'll look at like an operating leverage and management leverage with more resources, did people achieve more? Did efficiency go down? Was it linear? Was it extra linear? What was it? It gives you an ability to really evaluate your company soberly, which has been extremely helpful for us. If you measure speed, it turns out speed tends to increase if you really care about growing that. Next, I think that when you look at things in this way, often from the outside in, people look at companies as what's their product, what's the market, what's the strategy to go do this. But when you remember you're two and a half years old, it's really stark to you know, see all this is, is a collection of people who decided to come together. And one of the core questions any company needs to ask is, are we creating an environment where people can work very effectively and deliver faster and more as a team or less? And I think that when you count the days people have kind of in the history and DNA of the company, we look at this, you tend to think too, okay, am I working well with others? Can I ship at a faster rate and deliver? And that really compounds and we hope will help us go a different path where I don't know that we'll always be as fast in delivery, but probably anyone listening to this has worked at the big enterprise company. That's not what it once was. It's you know, They used to ship fast, but 
you know, now it's the cruise ship. You can't change the course, can't ship like we once would. And we're certainly kicking and screaming internally to, to try to avoid that state and keep that emphasis on speed and delivery for customers always and as long as we can. So you're coming up on day 1000, you know, in a few weeks. If you had to go back a thousand days to those early days of even before starting ramp, what advice would you give your past self? What have you learned? What would you tell yourself? One, I do think learning about sales earlier probably would have helped us. I think every ex-consumer founder comes into it's like, we're going to do just product engineering and marketing and growth loops. And like those help and matter, but great sales really actually is talking to your customers, understand what they need and asking like, if we built this, what is this worth to you? And closing that loop. I think doing that very early on would have helped accelerate a bit. Next, I think I probably would have reassured and affirmed like some of what we did, I think really worked, which is like your mission is going to become the foundation of the company. I know some people say that, that a mission is important and people write a mission statement and they sort of forget it. But I think it's really served us well. Of Like our existence is not about driving revenue, driving profit, whatever, anything like that. It's service. It's to help companies spend less money and time. And that for us has been a huge accelerant. It was so different and it was so shockingly contrary to others in the market that I think really honing in and getting that right early on was important. So I would reemphasize that. I was talking to my thousand day ago self, but anyone who's even in the early days of really thinking about what you stand for and is that true and consistent and spending extra time on that. So those would be the two. Eric, I think this is a great place to wrap up. Thanks so much for joining. Uh, really looking forward to seeing Ramp continue to scale and grow to a thousand days and far beyond. Thanks so much for having me on. This is fun. You just listened to Crossing the Enterprise Chasm, a podcast about software startups and their journey moving up market to serving enterprise customers. Want to learn more about becoming enterprise ready? The WorkOS blog is full of tons of articles and guides outlining best practices for adding features like single sign-on, skim provisioning, and more to your app. Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you're first to hear about new episodes with more founders and product leads of fast-growing startups. I'm Michael Greenwich, founder of WorkOS. Thanks so much for listening and see you next time.